Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day of the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8. Raise a ram's horn to your lips. A vulture is circling over the Lord's house because they have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel cries out to me, My God, we acknowledge you. But in fact, Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. They set up kings, but not with my approval. They installed officials, but I did not choose them. From their silver and their gold, they made idols for themselves, so they will be cut off. I reject your calf idol, Samaria. My anger burns against these people. How long will they be incapable of innocence? That thing sitting there is from Israel. A craftsman made it, so it is not God. Certainly that calf of Samaria will be smashed to pieces. Because they sow the wind, they will reap the whirlwind. The standing grain forms no heads, so it will yield no flour. Even if it would yield flour, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now among the nations they are like a pot no one wants. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey all by itself. Ephraim has hired lovers. Even though they hire lovers among the nations, I will now gather them together. They will begin to suffer in a little while because of oppression by a king with many officials. Ephraim has multiplied his altars for sin offerings, but for him they became altars for sinning. Though I wrote many teachings for my law on them, they regarded them as strange. They offer sacrifices to me just to get the meat. They sacrifice flesh and they eat it, but the Lord is not pleased with them. Now he will remember their guilt and punish their sins. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten its maker and built palaces. Judah has multiplied its fortified cities, but I will send fire on its cities, which will devour its citadels. This is the word of our God. The chapter starts with the vulture circling over the house of Israel. Um, That house of Israel talking probably about the nation the entire nation. And this is right around the year 733, most likely. Um, Assyria and Egypt have been at war, and Israel is caught in the middle trying to trying to play both sides a little bit. And that's going to be ending in just a, in just a few days, it sounds like. And the vulture is circling because God says that his people are dead. Their false kings produce, pursued a false policy that was fruitless and disastrous, relying upon allies as nations instead of relying on the Lord as, as they would if they really knew him. Their worship is a false worship. Their many altars are now not altars where they offer sacrifices for sin, but altars and places where they carry out sin. And then verse 2, Israel cries out, My God, we acknowledge you. But in fact, Israel has rejected what is good. And that's kind of the theme here of of the whole book of Hosea, is here's this people who know the Lord, or so they say, and they use that as an excuse to do what they want. Well, God will take us back. God will take us back. We acknowledge you. Just take us back. And they they use their knowledge of God as an excuse to go and pursue these other idols to do what they want, rather than Israel being this shining beacon of, of light to the other nations. That's the example that we have um, pictured for us. And Jesus makes that same reference in the New Testament that God's people, God's church is supposed to be a city on a hill. 
that's probably one of the more quoted, more quoted phrases that we have in the State of the Union addresses. I know that President Reagan used that statement for sure, talking about our nation as a city on a hill. Well, what God was talking about when he used that phrase was talking about his church, talking about how his people were to lead such godly lives that the pagans and the other nations around them would be wondering, what do you have that we don't? We should go find the true God who is in Israel. And yet, and yet here is Israel. The vulture is circling. The nation is dead. And they still want to go through with just an image and a sham idea of what it looks like to be worshipers of the true God. They just want to have the the impression that they are worshiping the true God rather than actually worshiping him with their hearts. That's exactly what Jesus had quoted from Hosea chapter 6. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what Jesus also says against the Pharisees, that their teachings are but rules taught by men. And what does God want? God wants the whole heart. God wants a wholehearted love. And God's love inspires us and leads us to love with that same wholehearted love. Here is the Lord. He rejects their calf idols. Um, he rejects everything that is that they have done. And verse 6, The thing sitting there is from Israel. A craftsman made it, so it is not God. Not quite as ironic as Isaiah sometimes gets. Isaiah has this part, I think it's in Isaiah 42, maybe a little bit later, where the craftsman goes out to wood, out to the woods, cuts down a tree, and with half of it he burns a fire and he warms himself, and the other half he, sh he shapes and fashions, and then he has to nail it down to make sure that it isn't going to tip over. Isaiah gets very cynical, very sarcastic, very ironic when he's talking about the people who are worshiping their idols. And Hosea a little bit less so here. He's pretty straightforward. I reject your calf idol. That thing sitting there is from Israel. Craftsmen made it. Uh, verse 7. Because they sow the wind, they will reap the whirlwind. The standing grain forms no heads. And the image there, sowing the wind, is that of doing something that is useless, fruitless, or empty. And God says, even though, even though they might be going about, you know, farming and caring about their daily tasks, at the end of the day, it is worthless because their hearts do not follow him. That's exactly as Moses had, had said way back in Deuteronomy, when you are settled in your land, when you are settled there and you say to yourself, look, my hands have produced this wealth for me. My hands have produced this food for me. Then do not forget the Lord, your God in that day. And Israel has. And God says, you know what? The reason that, that your fields aren't really producing a crop and the reason that the crops that are produced would be devoured by the armies that run through the area, the reason is that they have forsaken and forgotten the Lord. Now, <laughs> not that they have completely forgotten him, so to speak. They're like, oh, Lord, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge you. But they have. Their heart is not in it. Their hearts are chasing after other gods. And their worship is this empty worship. Even verse 12, Though I wrote many teachings from my law for them, they regarded them as strange. And that idea there, that God kind of is saying, you know, even if I wrote my law everywhere, 10,000 different places, they would say, oh, what is this? This is a new teaching. I don't get it. And 
it was supposed to be before their eyes all day, every day, everywhere. Bind it upon your foreheads and on, and on your doorways. Talk about them as you walk along the road, when you get up, and when you lay down. That's what God had wanted. But the people say, you know what, I don't get it. This is this has no part in my life. And this has this is something very strange to me. So what do we take from all this? We could probably make a couple of different applications, two major ones, I think. The first would be to let the prophecy be the prophecy, that God is not here talking about the nation of the United States. God is talking about this literal, physical, historical nation of Israel who had rejected him. He had bought them, brought them to their promised land, made them his own, and there was supposed to be that, yes, shining beacon on a hill, because that's what God's church does. That's what God's church is. And yet they rejected him. And what do we learn from that? That the faith relationship we have with our Lord isn't simply a knowledge of of names, isn't simply the historical bucket of knowledge of, of different doctrines and teachings. Um, the fact that that somebody was instructed as a young child in the catechism, or the fact that he or she is familiar with a lot of Bible stories, Bible accounts from the Bible, doesn't make them a Christian. What is it that makes them a Christian? What is it that makes any person a Christian? Well, regular contact with the means of grace, regular contact hearing the Word of God, regular contact with the Lord's Supper, and even putting that into practice, regularly confessing our sin to the Lord, and regularly exercising our faith in love toward God and neighbor. We have to remember the essence of the Christian faith is Jesus for us and receiving that Jesus for us in word and sacrament is the is what we do putting that into action is how we how we live sanctified lives in obedience to God's law and the essence of the law you might remember is love God and love your neighbor and so we want to live in such a way that demonstrates love toward God and toward neighbor doing what is best for those around us and i think those two things together provide you know, a little bit of understanding based on what Hosea chapter 8 here says, that God has rejected his people because they have rejected him. There is a time when God's patience runs out and the vulture is circling for the nation of Israel. God says time is up, that their time, that when they were supposed to live as his city on a hill, that time has come to an end, that the time when they were supposed to put that knowledge of God into practice not simply the bare external knowledge and, oh yeah, we can go back to God when we want, um, but they're supposed to put it into practice, that time is also drawing to an end. And so there's the encouragement for you and me today. We have time. We have the ability, the opportunity to speak of what we believe. We have the ability, the opportunity to carry out ministry together and what that looks like isn't simply, well, you know, we've got a pastor on staff or we've got a pastor and some teachers on staff or whatever the case may be. What it looks like is one person. <laughs> what it looks like is calling or speaking with one person. I haven't seen you at church in a while. I haven't noticed that you've checked in online in a while. Are you okay? Most of all, are you being fed with the word of God? pastor's got communion distribution and um and you can just text him or call him and he'll bring it to you privately and individually 
because we need to be fed, because we need to be encouraged, because we need to recognize that, yes, God's church today really is that city on a hill. And the only way to be a shining beacon of light to the nations, the only way to to shine with the, the love and the joy of Jesus is to be fed by the word of Jesus, is to be fed with the forgiveness of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. And so as you go about your day, among all the other ideas, how about this one? Who's your one? Who's the one person that you can call or you can talk with, that you can encourage? Whose name can you share with your pastor or, or another Christian friend and say, can you help me with this one? I've got, I've got some concerns about this loved one of mine. Do you want to talk with them too? Or how do you think I should address this? Who's that one person that is in your prayers or should be in your prayers? Who's that one person that you've been friends with a long time, but you haven't seen them in, in maybe a year? Who's that one person? Because, well, the vulture isn't circling, but the day of wrath will be coming. And that's even more, even more intense. And our Jesus has made you and me to be that shining beacon on a hill, even today. And he wants us to share the joy of Jesus, the love of Jesus, so that those who have been instructed and those who do not yet know the Lord may come to know him, may put that faith into action, and may rejoice with us. That yes, our God is great. Yes, our Lord has remembered us. And yes, our Lord cares for us. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.